literally. Alright. Are we doing this? I'm already recording, so we can... <laughs> Asks if we're doing this, and then clicks record wait before anyone can answer. Hey, it's fine. It's... it works. Alright. Okay. This is... We Understand Things, also known as what? And it's a podcast where... Once it was two guys, now it's... I feel like if anyone third. sees this and then ends up listening, I feel like at some point <laughs> they're going to know it's a podcast before they like hear your voice telling them it's a podcast. Yeah, and they'll probably realize halfway in that you don't actually know anything. I it's mean... More, more or less you just saying what all the time. That is very true. I mean, you've got to ask questions to learn, so... Well, Either way, this is We Understand Things, also known as what? My name is Evan Duffield. I'm Garrett Howes. And we have a third person here today for the first it's pretty time crazy. ever. We have a live studio audience of one. Yeah, we like to call him our uh, our email account. He is our he is our all knowing email account that you can yes. send emails to. He is uh, email at email dot gmail dot com. And all right, and he is Hayden Smith. So I'm just playing video games. I'll listen to their nonsense. Cool. Poking here and there. Okay, so we have some stories for y'all that uh, we we keep saying they're engineering related, and I shot myself in the foot last time. Okay, okay, let's clarify the we there. You, you say they're engineering related, but but my story is actually engineering related this time. Mine is too. We're moving oh sweet, up in the dude. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, we got a well. Basically, the the breakdown of the podcast is is we're two friends living across the basically halfway across the country uh, in the United States from each other, and and we're trying to tell each other cool stories to sort of continue the trend of of what we used to do when we lived sort of close together, which is which is sort of tell each other when we found cool stuff. Um, So one of us is going to tell a story, and then the other one's going to tell a story, and we're going to sort of talk about it the whole way through, and it's going to be a good time. Boom! All right. I good believe times, it's good times. Yeah, it's going to be great times. All right. So I've got to flip something to see who goes first. Yep. So I have flip a chicken. I don't have a chicken. Actually, you, you're a liar. You definitely have a chicken. I mean, I've got chickens behind my house, but. No, you got some chickens in your freezer. Just flip the chicken. That is true. You're right. All right. <laughs> I've got a coaster, actually. With a coaster that has a one-up mushroom on it. Oh, sweet! I'm a flip. It's no chicken, but okay. Yeah, it's not a chicken. But uh, do you want? Does it have a cork on one side? No, it doesn't. It has. Okay. It's just a piece of wood that's been rounded out. <laughs> but okay. Do you want You're a one-up mushroom? Say what? You're a king among men. Exactly. But do you want the one-up mushroom, or do you want the side that has scribbles yeah, on no, it? Yeah, no, I want the one-up mushroom. All right, let's do this. You lost, sir. Oh, my God. Again. Okay. Yeah. That is four to one. Oh, man, I am terrible at this. Yeah, you are. I think but, we all lose here. Yep. So, Evan, it's your yeah. turn. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> That's fine. I'm ready to get into it. Okay. So, to preface a little bit, the story isn't really a crazy story. It's kind of just something that I already knew a little bit about, but wanted to share for those who didn't, which I'm assuming is probably you. 
Um, I don't really know if you don't know anything about it, but we're going to go ahead and get into it. And if you know anything about it, just pretend like you don't so that the story is interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so at this point, we've talked about Almighty Jesus for the past two episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, so I figured I might as well double down and, and go for a third episode. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask you what uh, what your favorite Kanye album is. Hayden, you can you can throw some input in here as well. Uh, it's definitely um, Rick and Morty's "It's Your Birthday," Kanye. Is that a thing? What have you lived? Have you never listened to "It's Your Birthday" day? He's not to, the one singing it, but point. it's for Kanye. No, it's, it's <laughs> not him singing it. Rick and Morty sings "Happy Birthday." Okay, well, Kanye West album. What's your favorite Kanye West album? You don't need to know the name of it. Kanye Just West. whatever, whatever you got. I have no idea. What's the newest one? I, I uh, yay. Yeah, that one's it. That one's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have no idea. <laughs> What's the newest one he said? No, no, okay. no, no. It's got the mountains the in the background. Popular. Yeah, the mountain, the mountains in the background. I think, I think that's called yay. Yeah, ye. Um, <laughs> ye. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so. Anyway, so my favorite is called 808s and Heartbreak. Have you okay. guys heard of that one? Yeah, no. Oh, well, all right. Well, 808s and Heartbreak is is my favorite album. Cool. So I have a question for both of you. I guess both of you can answer this. Um, so I'm going to list off some people, and I want you to tell me, aside from their musical background or their musical ability, I want you mm-hmm. to tell me what they all have in common, okay? Okay. So we've got we've got... Run DMC, LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, Marvin Gaye, Phil Collins, Outkast, Beyonce, E40, Kanye West, Lil Wayne, Britney Spears. Anything coming to mind? Uh, they all hate their lives. <laughs> I'm sure they all love their lives or loved, past tense. Um, they're not all dead, but. They're not all dead. They're not all dead, but I, I think some of them are. Oh, they're yeah. not cool anymore. They're all cool. What are you talking about? I'm going to say they're all top 40 people, I guess. No, you guys are both completely wrong. Not even close. They don't know how to swim. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that that question towards the end of the story. So you're going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit. Okay. Um, But I I, I want you to, um, I want to, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about how they all kind of go together. Um, but it all kind of harkens back to my favorite Kanye album, 808s and Heartbreak. I want to ask each of you uh, another question and ask you if you either know, if either of you know what the 808s are. It's a beat. Negative Space Ghost. Negative Space Ghost. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Ghost Rider. You know, that was close. That was close. Um, what do you mean it's a beat, Garrett? It's the timing of a beat. Wrong. You are incorrect, sir. I? And I will tell you a story that will okay. tell you exactly what it is. Okay. Okay. Story. So let's put you guys in a frame of mind here. So back in the late 1960s in Australia, an Australian company um, named Hammond Organ Company. Um, they make organs, obviously. They actually mm-hmm. made electric organs. Um, and <gasps> apparently, I didn't know this, but organs back in the day were, or, or not so back in the day, or organs at least, um, 
were made with built-in drum machines with like they weren't programmable but they had like as soon presets. as you said that i just realized what it was oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well for the listener's sake and for hayden i want to keep going yeah all right no nah, you should just give up right now <laughs> <laughs> okay so um so they came with built-in drum machines uh for like home use um but they weren't programmable they had some presets built into it um and they were all kind of like just sampled from real real percussion instruments and then sort of just built into the machines later. Um, and anyway, this is Australian company, um, Hammond, Oregon company. They hired an engineer named Don Lewis. Uh, Don Lewis was obviously uh, an engineer. He was more of an electrical engineer um, than mechanical, uh, but still. Um, so he was tasked to demonstrate a, a new electric organ with a built-in drum machine. It was designed by an external company. I think it's Japanese. Um, and the company was called acetone um i'm gonna call it acetone probably at least once within this story just because that's how it looks on my screen um but it is technically called acetone but anyway so he so don is actually hired to to demonstrate this new electric organ with this built-in drum machine but the thing is don is an or don is an engineer okay um and Don doesn't really like the beats that came with the Ace Tone drum machine. So oh. he goes to town and hacks the crap out of it and modifies it all to make his own rhythms and his own sounds, right? Okay. So Don was then later approached after this demonstration by the president and founder of Ace Tone. Uh, his name is Ikutaro Kakashi. Kakahashi? Okay. I'm not Japanese. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's pretty much what it is. Okay. Just... <laughs> basically ignorant more like all right so so kakahashi um he wanted to know how how don had gotten his machine to make these crazy sounds right mm -hmm. um so they start talking they get some some details surrounding the scenario and how don was able to do these different things okay. and then later in 1972 kakahashi formed the roland corporation which mm -hmm. is still alive today um, and he hired Don to design his drum machines. Mm -hmm. So in 1980, Don and Kakahashi, they developed what was called the Roland TR-808. Yep. So you may have just figured out or maybe earlier figured out what the 808s are at this point. But I'm going to continue this story just because I think it's cool. going to be honest, I'm barely listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, the 808s, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining, I'm gaining. <laughs> All right. the the, the eight hundred eight The eight hundred eight is a um, a drum machine designed by the Roland Corporation called the TR eight hundred eight. But it is kind of crazy how it became to be. It, it came to be one of the most easily recognizable sounds in in music today. Mm -hmm. Those people that I listed earlier, every single one of them Use uses them. or has used the eight hundred eights in their music. That's kind of crazy. It is. It's absolutely nuts. And that's just a small list. The list is enormous. If you guys have ever been to, you know, a bar downtown, a nightclub, listen to music on the radio, listen to any hip hop channel, pop culture, anything. It's all you have heard. TR808. You have heard the TR808. I promise. So when they're so, talking about the 808 beats, that's what they're talking about. about exactly. Or the 805 for that matter. Sorry, man. Those don't exist. Sadness. Yeah. All right. So 
the story continues a little bit though. Okay. So most drum machines prior to this were made by pre-recording the actual instruments being played to get sort of a, a realistic effect. So they were basically just recordings of, of actual musicians playing the drums, right? Okay. So at this point in time, though, microprocessors were becoming more and more popular in instruments. So mm -hmm. Roland decided, well, more like Don decided to use to start using these microprocessors within their their drum machines, mm -hmm. so that they didn't have to hire any actual drummers. Or any sort of percussion people, and the they age could, they of could, electronic music. The age of electronic music, yeah. So they, they, so Don basically made all of these noises in a in a synthetic electronic way, right? Yeah. So all of the sounds were extremely weird, hmm. extremely synthetic, extremely odd. They did not sound like drums, like you and I know what drums sound like. Mm -hmm. um, what? Did you did you happen to listen to them? What did they sound like? Was it like more like robot noises or? It was a little. I mean, it, it wasn't more like robot noises. It was definitely more electronic. Um, but it, 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 I don't. There's not a good way to describe it. Um, Skrillex. Do we? Yeah. Do we listen to it? <laughs> yeah. Today? Yeah. So you probably listen to it on a daily basis. So the next time you hear pretty much any hip hop music, if you hear like a, uh, I don't know, like a, a silicone mat hitting a wood table. Excuse me? <laughs> like, if that makes sense, I don't know. Like, that like, just sounds like something flopping. Like a fish flopping on the ground. It's like a yeah, slap but it's the, noise it's the smack. It's the slap. Yeah. 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 It doesn't right. sound like a drum. It sounds more like a slap. Right. Um, definitely go check it out at some point. As soon as, you, as soon as you Google 808 and you listen to something that was made by it, you will, know, you will never hear it the same. And you'll hear it on every track you ever listen to. Well, that's kind of like how every uh, everybody subs like pretty much uses the exact same chords and the same rhythms. That is true. True. There true. are a bunch but, of songs so. that do that. But this story actually gets a little crazy. So the 808 was all electronic, right? Mm -hmm. And the 808 wasn't the only thing of its kind. So the LM1 made by Lin Electronics was actually released around the same time. Okay. Um, and the LM1 was also a drum machine, except it actually used... Um, actually used live sampling mm -hmm. and it actually cost upwards of about five grand five thousand dollars in in that year's time so it how much probably did the other one cost it was lot. like so that's the thing so that's probably around like you know nine ten thousand dollars in today's money which okay. is a lot of money to spend on something yeah. that can you make some drum sounds it might be even more it's about it's about nine to ten grand um and then the 808 Cost around one thousand one hundred ninety-five dollars back then, Jeez. which is around it's almost four grand today. That's but, a so huge it's still a lot of though. money, but it's yeah. a huge difference in cost. Um, price. So the thing is, though, the eight hundred eight was received in a horrible way. Hmm. Nobody likes Skrillex yet. So nobody likes <laughs> Skrillex yet. Um, <laughs> No one likes soon. Skrillex. Most people don't like Skrillex to begin with. Uh, I love Skrillex. <laughs> I, I like Skrillex too. And that, that came out when I was like in high school. The the 808 costs way less than the LM1. So the mm -hmm. LM1 actually used real sampling. So it was actually way more popular than the 808. And the 808 was actually considered a huge commercial failure. They sold like 12,000 units, which is not a lot. Yeah. And production was actually shut down after only three years of it launching so it actually shut down in 1983 surprised it didn't shut down sooner with only 12,000 <laughs> yeah. yeah so 
So you may be asking yourself at this point, you know, this thing that was basically a failure and made weird noises, how the heck is that thing even relevant right now? Hipsters. Not only relevant, but Hipsters. but <laughs> widely used across most genres of music. Probably because there's no licensing, right? No. Well, I mean, there's it's not n- nothing. None of it's licensed anyway because it's just it, they just make beats. Ah, true. Um, so if you make your own beat, it's yours anyway. Um, so what happened from 1983 to now? Well, basically, the massive price difference between the two drum machines mm-hmm. and the pawn shop availability of the 808 at this point, because the the production had stopped, so people uh, were sort of just giving up their machines. Yeah. The drum machine became available to up-and-coming hip-hop artists, sort of out of places like Compton and the Bronx and, and others. Um, so they're getting so, a hold of it for super cheap. Yeah, so like the cheapos. Yeah. So basically, um, this sort of this sort of emerged to an emerging DJ um, from the South Bronx uh, in 1982 by the name of Africa Bombada. I'm really not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not no, sure if I'm pronouncing you're, anything you're right. I've never heard that right before. But so you feel like you've heard that before? I, I you're probably like right. Before. Oh, you think you time. haven't heard that before? He doesn't okay. remember anything. Well, uh, he actually used the 808 in his song "Planet Rock." Um, oh. You have definitely heard that song. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone here really can can remember it exactly. But if you ever go look it up, I I hope you do. And you listen to the first maybe twenty seconds, you will know exactly what song it is. Yeah. So he was one of the first people to actually use the 808 in a popular song, um, and this was kind of the catalyst for the whole thing. So soon enough, Marvin Gaye would use the 808 in his song "Sexual Healing." Mm-hmm. Phil Collins would put it on "One More Night." Whitney Houston put it on "I Want to Dance with Somebody," and so many more bands ended up using it. The 808 blew up the hip hop scene. And and a mixture so this of was the, like late eighties when all this was going on. So yeah, late eighties. Like, so how? So it's been like ten years since the failure. It's been like five, but yeah, pretty much. It's been it's been around five, five yeah. or six. Um, so I it, it's kind of interesting to even think about like why this is happening. Um, but basically, a mixture of the high demand. And the the closed production caused an extreme desire for this crazy sounding drum machine because at this point they're kind of hard to get because not many were made. Production mm-hmm. stopped, and it's kind of hard to find one at this point. Yeah. Um, so what is an eight hundred eight worth today? It's probably outrageous. Well, right now you can actually go online and buy one for around five grand, that's and that's right. just a normal one. But actually, someone sold a mint condition. 808 on eBay for fourteen thousand dollars. Like an wow. original, original, like an original mint condition TR 808. Have they? Grand. Have they continued making them? No. So they actually came out. TR uh, Roland came out with a TR 909 at one point, mm-hmm. and that was really popular with bands like Skrillex and and, and others. So it was more electronic, um, yeah. and like acid music things like that. Um, but they they never remade the 808, and I think it's probably better that way. Yeah. Um, but Roland is incredibly popular right now. Like you can actually go to their website and they make extremely relevant things. Uh, they still make synthesizers and drum machines and whatever else. Um, so for that 14 grand, I actually went online and I downloaded all of the sounds the 808 makes for free. Mm-hmm. Um, most artists will tell you that, that nothing actually comes close to the real machine. Um, but I'm probably going to end up playing with the 808 sounds a little later. Um, 
So anyway, that's that's what the 808 is in 808s and Heartbreak um, by Kanye West. That whole album, every song on that album features the beautiful failure of machine that is the 808. Hmm. Wouldn't it be Pretty crazy how it came to be? Wouldn't it be ironic if that didn't have the 808? It had like the 909 or something. <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> ironic. I'll do better research next time. <laughs> but that's pretty cool. I've always heard that. And like, I remember hearing about that because I'm honestly was, surprised you knew about that. Yeah. Well, see, I've messed around with that stuff before. And that's the only reason why I know that. But. I was thinking it was the RT-808, not the TR, but yep. I knew it was a drum machine. Cause it is indeed a drum machine. That's Some pretty cool. call it the drum machine. Well, funny enough, I kind of have a story about a failure, too. Sweet. I'm excited. Well, so, cars, right? Oh, yeah, man. Cars, we, right? We have cars. Total failures. Well, you have Elon Musk talking about flying cars, right? Oh, and it's okay. kind it's of insane. insane. He, he mentioned it on a tweet that he was going to use some of the SpaceX thrusters for the next Model 3, I think. And it was... A meme, buddy. No, he actually tweeted that out. It was... I mean, it was a joke, but... No, that's what I'm saying. I think he was yeah. kidding. He, he was joking about it, but he did tweet it out. But got me thinking about flying cars, and I heard a story about flying cars way back in the day. Um, if was Tesla... Well, yep, I guess Monday, because it is a Tuesday today. So the Tesla, if they were to attempt a flying car, they are not the only people to attempt this. Really? So, there's yeah, the, another car the manu say what? Said the Wright brothers, duh. Oh yeah, that was a plane. But that's a basically flying, that's a flying vehicle, man. You dude. sit in it and like true, what do you mean a true. bus? They got one one seaters. Mm-hmm. It's a flying bus. Well, maybe the one you go to on your like typical it's a airport. Flying heap. But the first one, I think I think only one of them was flying it. I don't yeah, I think, yeah I think it was it just was one, and it was yeah. basically like a glider for the most Hell, part. Yeah. I know, yeah, it lasted like 13 seconds or something. Yep, and that was it. But this was Ford way back in the 20s. So Ford, you know how they came to be. They basically made an affordable version of... Affordable? Yeah, affordable oh version God. of a vehicle. And they were able to break into the market like that. And my favorite story of all time is they basically won the license to sell the cars um, by winning a race against their competition. And it ended up, they tried to do this a second time. They tried to make a flying car that was cheap and for the masses and it was what basically year was this? so this was back in the <laughs> 20s this was real early you know they, i'm um, gonna be real here i don't i don't know if i would get in a normal on the ground car in the 20s <laughs> well, let alone if someone told me that i would be flying in their is, in their car in the 20s not to foreshadow what happens but just 
a reminder, we don't have flying cars today, so. <laughs> what are you talking um, about? So, <laughs> Everybody's got a flying car, Gary. Yeah, you're right. You don't? It's, you should get out of the sticks, buddy. I, I should. I should get out of the backwoods. But um, gonna get you. we have, yeah, exactly. For those who don't know, I have a, a badger in my backyard that badgers me like. we're, pretty, we're pretty sure he's insane. Probably. I'm in Georgia. That should not be here. Hey, but, if, you, uh, if anyone out there sees a badger, please take a picture of it. Please send it, email it to us. Email at email at email dot com. Dot gmail at email at gmail dot com. Yeah, I'm not checking that. <laughs> That's fine. So, um, they made these flying cars that were basically affordable planes, and they were going to be called flivers. F L I V V E R S. What What did they flivers? What, why Why so it did the, was did the airplane the airplane had already been out uh, yeah it had already like, been out so here's why. why edsel yeah. ford who was henry ford's son had he'd been around cars and stuff so his fascination was with planes and aviation in general so as he became older and he began to work with the company he ended up financing um, William Stout in finding or founding the Stout Metal Airplane Company. So this was kind of the beginning of that. He ended up giving William a bunch of money to start that company. And then in 1924, so that was in 1922, but in 1924, Ford actually built an airplane factory and an airport in Dearborn, Michigan. And they started to work with... Like to test these cars? They didn't actually have these quite yet, but it was to start the design and research part of this. Whoa. They built an airport. They built, they built an a airport. whole airport just mm -hmm. to test where the car was so, even made. Well, but Stout Metal Airplane Factory was making regular airplanes. Also, they weren't. Oh, right, so it kind of made it kind of exactly, made sense. Anyway. Exactly. That was, so they were just piggybacking. Yeah, and Ford began working directly with the the Stout company, and um, they ended up actually buying the company from William Stout in 1925. So they funded it in 22, hopped on board in 24, and then 25 just bought him out. So okay. they okay. now owned this company, and it became the Stout Metal Airplane Division of the Ford Motor Company. And so right then was a couple years went by, and the Great Depression happened, and they completely ditched the airplane side of stuff. And But they were researching these flivers, but they did not go anywhere. They didn't make it to any kind of production yeah, I can or believe prototyping they didn't go or anything. Anywhere. Yeah, exactly. They, they were not flying. So in 1932, they had completely refocused on automobiles. They went away from airplanes. And that was because of the Great Depression. Well, in 1933, okay. the aeronautics branch of the Department of Commerce came up with a challenge. And they wanted companies to be able to develop an aircraft or hover car or whatever that was affordable to the masses, which is exactly what Ford did originally. So Ford hopped on board. And their rules were that it had to be affordable, so roughly $800 and 
it had to be able to fly and it had to be able to be maintained by a normal person. What is $800 in today's money at that point? That is a good question. I'm guessing that's, that was was, like late twenties. No, this was, they did the challenge in 33. Okay. So then that's, yeah, that's probably like, it's probably 20 grand. Here, I'm looking it up right now. I don't know why I didn't think of doing this earlier. But $800 in 1933 worth today. That comes out to about $15,000. Boom. Honestly, though, like, like, let's be honest. That's a pretty cheap new car at this point. Well, yeah. that's a if cheap somebody, airplane for today. If somebody, yeah, if somebody came out and said, I'm going to give you an airplane for $15,000, you'd look I'd at die. them and, like, that'd be amazing. No, you wouldn't. You hey. would die. <laughs> Have you seen my purchases before? I have, and it scares me. I'd buy it, so that's a true statement. I would also buy it, to be honest. Yeah, we'd both die. So That's okay. I'd be a pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> a dead pioneer. As long as we make pioneer, it into history, nonetheless. we're good. Yeah, exactly. But, so, in 33, they made this challenge. In 34, they were experimenting with this, and they were full-fledged going into it and working back in the flybers. And so, they had settled on this one design called the 15P, which was just a version of one of the flybers. And it was being designed by Harry Karcher and Gar Evans. And they were using a... So this was the time Ford was using V8s and messing around with flathead V8s. And so they were using a modified version of the V8 to use in this aircraft. So... In January of 1935, they had built a full mock-up. It was not an actual working prototype, but a full mock-up. And it was giving the registration number of X999E. So it actually had a registration number, and they could start to build it, and they could conceivably fly this now. And that was in November 29th of 1935. Okay. So... In 36, well, since then they were constructing the actual prototype. And then in 1936, early 1936, it was completed. So the final... Did they win the competition? Well, it was basically, it had to go into production. And so they're not quite at that point yet. So this airplane, it's actually, they have pictures of it. And it's a really cool, you know how in the 30s there's retro futuristic looking things yep yep it is very much that it is um so it does not have a tail and they're called a flying wing aircraft because it's basically like a it's a big wing so if you took a the normal circle ufo type thing and you cut it in half and brought the nose out a little bit and put a propeller on the front Okay. It's kind of what that looks like. So it's got this teardrop shape fuselage. It's can carry a driver and one passenger. And you can actually drive the plane from both seats. So it what? could be where if one person oh, it's was driving. Like a, like a stick on either end. Yeah, just, exactly. So you could like switch off. Yeah, exactly. And got you it. were sitting side by side. So it was it was like a normal plane. Got it. Um, and it had, it was basically 
sling up doors that were hinged and they popped open from the side kind of the way you would see most aircrafts had that right. day right and it was covered in aluminum had aluminum structure and it could carry 15 gallons of fuel and it was a pretty it was, it was a pretty neat looking thing and it had landing gear that did not go completely up you it actually part of that futuristic look it had these aluminum covered landing gear that stuck out the front and it I was look this up. Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of crazy looking if you look up the 15p it'll pop up Sweet. and so i want to know how this thing was planning on flying without a tail it well it, it yeah <laughs> it probably didn't fly very well <laughs> exactly so and the so a little more description on it before i give you the the bad news it had the v8 engine sitting right behind the driver and passenger so it was like a mid-engine car kind of deal and, and it was behind mm -hmm. the engine they was the behind engine, and then they had the propeller obviously in the front yep so it was using a drive shaft coming from the engine going to the propeller in the front and was it was a reason for that well it was just trying to make it as small as possible and trying to fit everything so if the people were behind the engine it would have been much harder for people to view out and see what was going on and they tried to make this very simple to drive and get visuals on everything so this thing is very very small it is okay. it, i just looked this up it mm -hmm. looks it looks like a black hawk kind of yeah it looks like a black hawk that like took like like a baby black hawk exactly baby black hawk, baby black hawk. And like if you took a black hawk and you used the photoshop scale tool mm -hmm. and you you shrunk <laughs> it down that's this is this is what that is yep and it's got like everything on it's aluminum except for the rotor it's a wooden propeller but it's it was also seen with photos of a metal propeller but it's probably because they were once they were trying to get it to fly they were changing stuff out and doing all that but it came with 115 horsepower at 4000 rpm so it that's was honestly not bad that's pretty quick it was it was pretty powerful for the time and so there's not much information left on the 15p in terms of the remains and um some specifications there's no exact specifications but they know roughly what the wingspan was and stuff so the wingspan was roughly 34 feet the length oh was about 14 feet and the gross weight was roughly 1600 pounds so it was really light really small and it could reach speeds of about 120 miles per hour if it did what they thought it was going to and they thought the range was going to be around 500 miles so okay okay but you know by today's standards that's pretty those good. specifications are like the same as a normal car honestly it is so well, so if you look at like a lot it's of, a miata it's basically a miata yeah if you look at like a lot of like modern cars they they the older cars had the same like or similar like miles to the gallon and things like that 
mm-hmm. but the biggest thing was like the power there was tons of power loss on like acceleration and all these things because the these cars normally weighed a ton but that is true i think but 1600 pounds is, that, is pretty is that light. you don't have to go on road for yeah for a plane that's a whole nother story so true but cars back then were not 1600 pounds so yeah. it's for a plane nowadays compared to an ultralight that is extremely heavy so but it did have a v8 in there and it was covered in aluminum so it, it makes sense why it was heavy yeah. but and i mean 500 mile range for that time that was and i mean the biggest thing is you don't have to go on roads anymore exactly you could you just fly everywhere yeah yeah the, we don't we don't even need to talk about that is to begin with like honestly so here's another like whole other tangent that you don't have to go off on but the, like, can you think of the amount of chaos that would be our society if we oh, allowed people that is very true. everyone logistical to fly? issues with with yeah, flying exactly. cars are completely ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah it would it, it, it's completely unfeasible just from a logistical point of view but the thing is the thing is i i, I got to thinking about that a little while ago um and you know, if you pitched the idea of, you know, cars driving at 80 miles an hour, you know, seven of them next to each other. Oh, yeah. Back and in the day. And a hundred long. Insane. If you pitched that to, to someone back in the day, if you if you pitched that to Henry Ford and you were like, hey, man, this sound like a good idea to you? Be like, You'd be no. like, what? No, yeah. that sounds horrible. Well, no. So, like, that's the thing is the only way that we're going to allow that kind of stuff to happen now is autonomous vehicles like that's the only way that that's Mm going to happen right so like with drones and stuff uh you know like nasa and a bunch of other people are like working on uh i forget what it was called i think it was like the aries system or something it wasn't Mm -hmm. aries because that was their uh that was their rockets but they had this other system that somebody had developed where it's for like drones it's basically like a hive mind for drones no, 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 no. It wasn't a, it's not a hive mind. It was like a three-dimensional map. And so you can't just like, so eventually when we have drones delivering our packages and, you know, doing stuff like that, uh, sending us meals or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it's also a logistical nightmare to just let them go wherever they want because they're going to fall on houses. They're going to fall on property. That's so that's true. not okay. The government's never going to allow that. We need structure. Mm-hmm. And so the big thing is to uh, try to get these net systems, and you're it's essentially making three dimensional roads mm-hmm. for these drones. That's smart, though. Because yeah, if and you have a roadway built into the air. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of what they're. That's what a lot of people are working on right now, for for drones to be to exist because you know the government's not going to just allow them to fly wherever they want that's completely unsafe you know you know when i was uh when i was little and i would go to the bank my mom actually worked for um uh, one of the bigger banks in atlanta Mm -hmm. and um whenever we would go to the bank um or like the the little like actual bank locations Mm -hmm. um and we would drive through like the atm little area and you would send like um those little tubes tubes. yeah yeah the tubes that would go like vacuum up and down and pass you back and stuff I honestly, when I was a kid, I thought that was the future. I thought like <laughs> the whole world was just going to be covered in tubes. Well, hey, there's the hyper, the hyper tube, the hyperloop. Yeah. So, so I, and honestly, I think that could still be the future. Like, like, you know, you just have a tube and you order something on Amazon 
and literally from wherever you just have like your ramen noodles just get like launched to you through this tube <laughs> and they just show up at your door like that would be absolutely amazing to me i, I would, would love that but the I thing think, is if uh, you ever ordered anything large like the only reason those tubes work is because the things that you put in them are very small so if i wanted to order a couch better like, it seals it well no that's the thing but i still have to order a couch that is true so <laughs> no so we'll... just send me a couch in a tube like it's a big it's a big item well that now I, I i know this is diverging slightly but it's all good you know amazon's got a uh, a patent on um like motherships and these motherships are essentially giant, giant blimps and, it's and these giant blimps drones. are just wire are, are their warehouses and they and they and they're supposed to go around uh i forget the airstream that like circles america mm-hmm. and so they're going to put up a bunch of these in the uh, sometime in the future they've just patented i don't know when they'll actually work on it but these giant blimps are supposed to be like moving warehouses and essentially the drones would fly down and deliver your packages within 15 minutes just the nearest one and then they'd come back up and they'd trade out the batteries unless we come up with better batteries in the oh next my gosh. You know, 15 Honestly, minutes. honestly, like the whole situation with the future, it all sort of feels like like all of the CEOs of these super technologically advanced businesses have like a little room full of elementary school <laughs> children, just like with a box of crayons and they're just drawing stuff on a big coloring piece of paper. And they no, just like, hand it, they handed to Steve Bezos, and they're just like, I don't know, man. This looked like a good idea to me. <laughs> and it's just like, to the like a big, like, a big it. like oval in the sky, flying around, dropping packages, and and Jeff Bezos is just like, yeah, perfect, brilliant, that's a great idea. You're hired. The they're just like, what? And the five year old's like, yay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well. Anyway. Yeah, or back to back to your uh, your plane story. I'm trying to remember where I was at. Oh yeah, tell the, us how the, they like all fail. Probably they all fail. So yeah. you have Harry Russell, who is a test pilot for Ford's airplane division, and he is unable to control these planes. He has a rough time of it, and so one day. He's in an accident and wrecks it. And Ford takes the plane, they throw it into storage, and they eventually scrap everything. So, that's the end of that, and that's why (laughs) there are really no no specs on this or anything other than the engine specs, because they use the engines for other things. But really, as far as dimensions and stuff, they don't have that much info on it. So, you know what it sounds like to me, honestly, though? What's that? It sounds like we need to make one. It does sound like that. That's what, we, need so, find, we need to find a pilot so that we're not the ones flying the plane. Yeah, exactly. That's the funny thing is this Harry Russell, um, I believe this guy. Is he still alive? I don't think so. This has if been, he is, that was if he a, is, we need to call him. Yeah. If you're still alive... Email we have an idea. Email, email at gmail.com. Exactly. Have you ever heard of the 16P? Yeah. That's what we're going to make. We could we could make an auto gyro. So about that same time. Have you ever heard of these? No. What? So an auto gyro has the body like a plane, but a propeller 
like a helicopter. They were called the auto gyro, and they Is did it, not work. What? Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound like that would work at all. <laughs> so about the same time that they scrapped the 15P, the auto gyro got scrapped too, because nice. I believe the auto gyro was in the same somewhat competition of this. Yeah, the auto gyro, that just sounds like, like murder. That just mm-hmm. sounds like people are going to die. That one's insane looking. Like, if you think... If you think the 15P looks futuristic and stuff, the autogyro is the exact opposite. It looks like it's made out of sticks, somebody's (laughs) blanket, and a (laughs) propeller off of a helicopter. You know, I I work with a lot of vibrational engineers, Mm -hmm. and just, like, picturing what this thing looks like, if I were to, like, show them a picture of this, I think think they would cry. Yeah. That's, and the crazy thing... show anyone of a modern time them pictures of engineering feats of the you know earlier century they're gonna be like those dumbasses <laughs> but i mean like hey you gotta you like you, gotta you know, make there's, mistakes. there's an evolution to things you know oh, the yeah. only reason why we say that's dumb now is because somebody you know doesn't work you know had the audacity to try it true yeah. true true so that's what All right if we if we'd have gotten a little bit farther we could have had flying cars now so that would have been, uh, been awesome. I don't know. <laughs> Skeptical. A five minute work commute could have been a one minute work commute. Ooh. I know, right? The future is now or exactly. yesterday. Future was yesterday. Yeah. So Damn. all right, is that all you got? That's all I got. All right, that's all I got. Hayden, that's all you got? That's all I got. All right. This has been We Understand Things. Also My name is Evan Duffield. I'm Garrett House. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined today by our third producer or email account or whatever you <laughs> want to call him video game man yeah Aiden yeah I'm, I'm talking to some alien right now in Swotor. <laughs> <laughs> alright this has been We Understand Things uh, better known as as what thanks for listening what? we'll see you later